Can I get y'all anything else? Welcome to Breakfast with Brent Pope. I hope you save room for dessert. I'm almost full. Almost. Who doesn't love dessert? You have earned this. Breakfast. Homemade pecan pie. I love Whatever it. happened to angel food cake? Any type of rhubarb pie. Rhubarb strawberry. Rhubarb peach. That's sour and sweet together. It's hard to beat. Who saved room for dessert? It's dessert breakfast. I'll get that right to you. What do you think about this? Uh, I don't know if you knew the, the late uh, Danny Goldman, who used to be a casting director, and he did a lot of acting. He was on... Brainy Smurf. He was the in Young Frankenstein. He was the inquisitive student that that asked a question at the beginning of the movie. Oh, and, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Gene Wilder gets yeah, he, he gets mad. Who, is he the one who asks about him being the the grandson of Doctor Frankenstein? I don't remember what his line was, but I he he looks a little Peter Lorre. He looked yeah. a little Peter Lorre ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first casting director workshop I ever went to, uh, he said something, and I was like, that's that's an interesting thought process to have, and, and I. Th- think that way sometimes and sometimes I think it's not the way so I'm, I'm going to pose it to you and tell me what you think yeah so he says you know you actors are all coming in to your auditions and you're all nervous he goes you shouldn't be nervous you're not going to get it mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know and, and of course what he meant was like don't feel like you're trying to you have to get the job mm-hmm. you know if you think if you're I'm just doing this and I'm not going to get it then you can mm-hmm. just do it the best of your abilities and not have these thoughts in your head like oh I got to get yeah. this He's absolutely right. I've heard it worded differently. Uh, so uh, the way I the way I word it, I I I lifted directly from a lecture I attended by Michael McKean, uh, mm. who you know is a great actor from Laverne and Shirley and of from the Christopher Guest movies, and of course, <laughs> better everybody knows Michael. Better McKean. Call Saul. <laughs> better Call Saul. Right. Uh, Michael McKean, uh, an ama- an actor's actor, to to be sure. Mm-hmm. And I attended a lecture he gave on auditioning that really provided me with a lot of the groundwork for how I teach my class. And in this lecture, he said, the goal of your audition is not to book the job. The goal of your audition is to do the job at the audition. Uh, or he said something to that effect. I don't know that I'm directly quoting him, but that is the way I uh, I remember it, and that's the way I wrote it down. Um, because the, the goal of your audition is not to book the job. You can't go into your audition expecting to book the job because just like Danny said, you're not going to book the job or, <laughs> um, I mean, someone is going to book that job, but the, ch- but chances are, it's not going to be you for a number of reasons that are outside of your control. So yeah. you can't go into your audition expecting the outcome of it to be book it because there are too many factors that are outside of your control. And we, as human beings tend to spend a lot, expend a lot of our effort trying to control the uncontrollable while ignoring the controllable aspects of our personality and our lives. And uh, this then manifests itself in terms of auditioning. Uh, you could go in and give a great audition. You could give arguably the best audition and still not book the job for any number of reasons outside of your control. Uh, like, you know, they've got the role gets cut. The writer has a friend they want to give it to. They have an offer out to uh, a celebrity that they're waiting to hear about. And that person decides to take the job. Uh, your audition could have been great, but you might look too much like someone they've already hired for that episode or might look too much like one of the series regulars. And they don't like to cast people like that. So you have no, you have no control, of course, over any of those things. Uh, you have complete control over your performance and your behavior. 
So if you go in and you give that great audition, the audition that was better than everybody else's, what you've achieved is you've let the casting office know and the producers know you're a good auditioner. And that's how they remember you and bring you back for more auditions. And arguably, the more times you can audition and audition well, the better your opportunities for booking more work. People think that auditioning is just a numbers game. It's not. If it were just a numbers game, then why do some actors who maybe audition 10 times book eight roles? And why do other actors who maybe audition 100 times maybe book one role? It's yeah. not a numbers game. It's a numbers game in as much as you are prepared well too. You have to, there are a lot of, uh, you can't, it's not just, it's people get very fatalistic about their auditions and there's a lot of work you have to be able to do on your side too. Let's switch gears a little bit. Uh, you don't, you're not just a casting director and like none of us are just any one job that we do. Uh, we both have been on the show Silicon Valley Oh. And I was actually just watching this last night again because I was like, I, I, I remember this. Your scenes were very funny. You got to play the voice of the smart fridge. Yes, that's right. Is that right? Yes. So the, yes. Uh, so if you're, uh, you know, if you remember back on Silicon Valley, Jin Yang uh, bought a smart fridge just so he could, uh, <laughs> just so he could control the fridge and throw it in Bachman's face. So what was that like? Uh, what was that like uh, auditioning? And were you on set with them, or are you recording like VO style? Oh, yeah. No, it was all uh, VO. I did it in post. So, um, yeah, I went into I went into an ADR recording stage and uh, and watched the scenes and this recorded my lines. Now, um, I don't I don't have a lot to do. Right. I'm not. I'm right. The, the character of the smart fridge uh, is all up in that episode. Mm -hmm. But yep. the, the dialogue, the dial, the actual refrigerator itself plays a very large part in that episode. Uh, my dialogue does not. And um, I was still there for, I think we recorded for maybe two hours, which is a long time for someone yeah. who doesn't have very many lines. But the reason for that, uh, so here's how the audition went. Um, I got a I got a call from okay so there's something called looping or loop groups uh, which a lot of people may or may not know about um, this these are the these are the actors that are hired in post they come into the the ADR soundstage and they add a lot of wild dialogue offstage lines and background chatter to every TV show or movie that you watch and uh, I know someone who runs one of these loop groups and one of the shows that she, uh, that she loops is Silicon Valley. And so they had the role of the smart fridge and she had to get somebody to come in for it. She had to get, she had to send them some, they wanted, uh, they didn't want to just use someone from the loop group for it. They wanted a specific type of voice. So they asked her to, uh, to audition some people and send in tape. So she sent me, what she did is she, uh, she sent me a recording that was like, a, it's like a, I think it was like a Rite Aid or a CVS um, phone line operator. And that was the voice or the, that was the voice they wanted right. for the smart refrigerator. They wanted that, that style of voice and it sounded a lot like my voice. Uh, so, uh, so I did it and I got the job and then they brought me in and then the uh, showrunner actually came came into the room while we were recording because he was very specific about what he wanted and uh, he, I did all of the dialogue that was written, 
And then he just started throwing lines at me and having me, having me do them on the fly and then having me change things around and change lines. So he played with it for a long time. Just, I think mostly just to get a lot of different choices for what they thought would work, work well in editing. Um, Sometimes I think they might do stuff like that too, just to have, just to have it in case they want it for another episode, which mm-hmm. they didn't end up end up doing. I never, the the refrigerator sadly never spoke again, which was devastating to me because if you've watched Silicon Valley, if you've watched through the whole show, that refrigerator ends up saving the day. Yeah, the software in that refrigerator is the. So I was, <laughs> so I kept thinking, there's a that actor in me kept thinking, there's a chance. There's a chance the smart fridge comes back, even though I know as a, a casting director, there's there's no chance. There's no chance I, in hell that smart refrigerator is ever coming back. I remember, I don't know if this makes you feel better or not, but I remember there's a hashtag, hashtag smart fridge saved the day, you know, and that was just, it was huge for a, a few weeks. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> that that is literally the high point of my acting career. And that, that tells you everything you need to know about it. <laughs> I spent some time the last couple of days watching uh, season one of Diary of a Future President, which oh, is great. on yeah. Disney. Plus. I watched it on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Doesn't seem like it was showed before me, mm-hmm. but I will say the cast is great on that show. So I'm, I, you know, I, I want to talk about the casting of it because Tess Romero. I mean, where did you find her? She's a great young actress. Salinas uh, Leva from Orange mm-hmm. Is the New Black. I yeah. love her so much. She's great. Uh, Michael Weaver from all the Broken Lizard stuff is uh, oh, yeah, always fantastic. Right. Yeah. And but my favorite is you know Jessica Marie Garcia. Uh-huh. I remember she was first she was uh, recurring on the middle right. Yeah. And then on my block is just one of my favorite shows. I have friends that work on that show. Uh, you know, uh, very uh, close to that show. So, and she's such a scene stealer. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you remember seeing her for the first time? And what did you think the first time you saw her? So. Uh, yeah, so I cast Jessica on uh, on the middle. She was one of Sue Heck's uh, cadre of uh, of high school friends, and I forget what show she was on at the time. I think it might have been Live and Maddie, which is a Disney Channel yep. show, where she was playing a character that is uh, maybe a little more like what she plays on Diary, and uh, and what I needed from her for this thing on the middle was more of a physical presence that was intimidating more mm. quiet and scary. Mm-hmm. And she came in tr- playing it cuz she is none of those things. She is not she is neither quiet nor scary. She is <laughs> she's a lot like her character. She's just, she's very effervescent, a lot of fun, very upbeat. And and so I gave her the note and she was um and she did it. And uh she took that note and it was great. So it was really fun cuz I got to see her. I got I mean I brought her in Thinking she would she would play she would play kind of tough characters more than she did than she did, and I was really pleasantly surprised to find out she had such a nice range. Um, anyway, she's great. I will tell you this about the rest of the cast: uh, I am not the original casting director of Diary of a Future President. Okay, I came on board Diary of a Future President in episode three. They had hired. I did. I will tell you. I interviewed to be the casting director for that show. And at the time they uh, decided to go with someone else and um, Brent and listeners 
that was their first mistake. So they <laughs> <laughs> they ended up uh, not working well with that other casting director, and uh, they let her go. They hired me to start with episode three. So they'd already done, they'd already shot the first episode. They were in the midst of shooting the second episode when I came in to start casting the third episode, which means I came into something that was already up and running and moving very quickly, which is tough to do. But uh, I came in and started casting episode three and then episode four. And then they realized that there was stuff that they wanted to redo in episode two. So I went back and recast some things in episode two. And then we got through all the way to the end and we had done episode 10. And then they decided they wanted to cut a bunch of stuff out of the first episode and and cast a bunch of new roles. So then I went back and I cast, so I have cast all 10 episodes of the first season, but I did, but it didn't start that way. I came in with episode three and then worked my way back. Um, but Tess, so Tess Romero, I did not know. I did know the other actress who was up, who also tested against Tess Romero. I had recommended her to the writers cause I am friends with them. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so I knew, knew the other actress, uh, but uh, I did not know Tess. She comes from the East Coast. Uh, so they found her, you know, they found her on tape from New York. Wow. Uh, Selena Sleva, I love. I'm so excited to see her on that show. Jessica Marie Garcia, I had already worked with before, so that was a, a fun benefit. Um, and then I start, I got to cast most of the friends and all of the recurring people, a lot of the recurring people that you see on the show. That was me. But, um, yeah. That was sort so of you- kind of how I went into that 70s show, too, because I didn't start working on that 70s show until halfway through season two. And uh, so the original casting on that show had already been done. But then I did become the casting director on it around season five. And uh, so I was on the show from the sec- about halfway through the second season all the way until the end. And I started casting everybody in it uh, uh, around season five. I had heard the story about how Mila Kunis, uh, she lied about her age so that they would cast her on the show. And I and so I was like, well, there's no way that would have gotten past G. Charles Wright. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you how it happened, because I know all of the I know all of the stories. Um, Debbie Romano of Romano Benner casting. I think mm-hmm. they are currently casting. Um, what's that uh, Tim Allen show? It's on TV now. Man with a plan. Is that what it's called? No, that's not it. Uh, no. I think that's uh, something Joey man. from Friends. Anyway. Oh, yeah, it, you're right. Yeah. Uh, but I, I just referred to Matt LeBlanc as Joey from Friends. Um, and I am a, a working <laughs> cast director. It's Joey from Friends show. Um, <laughs> sorry, but uh, yeah. Any, um, Last Man Standing is Tim Allen's show. I think that's the one they're casting now. But they, anyway, uh, I, I have a lot of fascinating stories about her. You might want to have me on for a part two. So uh, nice. Debbie Romano was great. She cast the show. And what happens is when uh, when you come in and you're uh, a minor, they have to ask you uh, if you are over 18. I mean, they have to know what, what age you are. Yeah. And so when, when you come in, if you are if you are 18 or over and you're auditioning to play the role of a minor and they ask you your age, you're, if you're 18, you just have to say, I'm 18 or I'm over 18. And that's all they need to know. They don't need to know your, spe- they, it's illegal to know your specific age because that's ageism. If you are a minor, they need to know how old you are because they have to be able to arrange to have teachers on set and there are a limited number of hours a day that you can work. 
So uh, everybody else that was cast on that 70s show were between the ages of uh, 19 and 21, depending on, on the actor when the show started. And they were all playing about 16 years old, right? So when they when she did come in, they asked if she was 18. And she said, I'm she said, I'm gonna she said, I'm gonna be 18. Which is a lie. Well, I mean it's yeah. not a lie. Technically it's the truth. She would eventually be someday 18, she would have, yeah. But she was 14, which did of course make her much younger. And that did mean that she could not work the same number of hours in a day that the rest of the kids could work. And that they had to have a teacher for her on set that she would she had to, you know, log her school, her school hours. So people think that it's so nefarious, but it's, uh, uh, it's not, it's just, you know, it really has to do just with the logistics of production for minors. It's not about, yeah. Ooh, she was 14 and everyone else was 19. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. does, that doesn't, <laughs> she can do the, if she can do the job, she can do the job, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, you know, the middle also a show that you cast mm-hmm. look, Neil Flynn is a, Performance-wise, personal hero of mine. I just yeah. love his deadpan. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I my friends wrote a pilot one time where they cast me in a part. The a guy was super dry, and they said you can name the character whatever you want. And I named him. Uh, I named him Neil. So yeah. <laughs> he is very dry. Yeah, Neil so. Flynn is also a personal hero of mine, just as a human being too. He is a really wonderful. He's everything you would hope he would be when you meet him. He's one of those one of those kind of celebrities that you would. He's just exactly the way you hope he would be when you meet him is exactly the way he is. Kind of yeah. like Dolly Parton. Like you hope Dolly Parton is going to be not, which is not to say that when you meet Neil Flynn, he is like Dolly Parton. But when you meet Dolly Parton, you expect Dolly Parton, right? And right. You, and you get it. She is. She is just that person. And when you yeah. when you see Neil Flynn, you think, Oh God, I hope he's like him. He is. He's great. He's very similar to the role he played on the show. 